Welcome to the morning edition of Real Kipper and Born. Nick Kiprios, Justin Born, Josh Santos, and Samuel McPhee. McKee. Who's that? Why did McPhee come out so nice? You know why? why? It works. Have you guys seen the the series Billions? No. I've heard nothing good things, and I want to watch it. Oh, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. And there's a McPhee in there. I think I'm I'm up mm. to my eyeballs in, in that McPhee. Hey, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> what's that, Sammy? Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner, pal. <laughs> oh, yeah, jokes. <laughs> or late for the tea box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are live on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and wherever you subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, we're glad you're aboard. Colorado sweeps the Edmonton Oilers with a 6-5 overtime winner off the stick of Arturi Lekkanen, his second consecutive GW to take his team to the Stanley Cup final, a final, by the way, that the Avs have not seen since 2001. You guys were like puppies back then, were you not? Dude, I was like 19. <laughs> yeah, I was hey, like, like I said, 12 <laughs> puppies. Like I said, puppies. Hey, Quickly, who was the who was the MVP in that series? Was it Joe Sakic? No. Patrick uh, Wong. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's only two choices, right? Uh, quick question: Arturi Lekkinen went at the deadline to the Avs, right? He what, did. What his... Yes. Do we know exactly what that was for? My que- my question is just could the Leafs have got him? A oh, guy yes. who can a guy who could score you an OT winner to put you past a round? Could have used that <laughs> in game six, huh? Uh, so Sammy, if I'm not mistaken, it was a second round pick, wasn't it? And uh, a prospect for uh, to Colorado? Yeah, it was second or round. Or to Montreal, pick sorry. And, yeah, yeah, it was a second round pick and a prospect. I'm just looking up the name of the prospect. I just had it here. Uh, as I quickly look up, it is Justin Barron in a second-round pick in the 2024 NHL entry draft. Okay. Can you look up uh, Mark Giordano's price? Two seconds. Uh, I think no, it, was okay. a, I, it was a it was second. Yeah. A second, a third. And was there a third, JB, off your off the top of your head, was there a third I got draft here. pick involved? It was... A second round pick in 2022, a second round pick in 2023, and a third round pick in 2024. But that included uh, superstar Colin Blackwell as well in that trade. Yeah. So uh, that yeah. made it worth it. Safe, safe to say that uh, that would have got you Blackwell and Lekkinen. But the question is: is it, at the time was the need on the blue line yeah. compared to the forward? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no regrets for me on the Marci Ardano pickup. Just you well, know, could you have had more? Could you, could you go harder? That old chestnut. Okay, uh, Sammy. I know off our exchange last night, your first thought was high stick, correct? In overtime. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was a high stick. I thought it was pretty clear that when the puck made contact, it was way above his shoulder, way above the the crossbar. Like not way above, but above enough. But like you said, uh, there's not a snowball's chance in hell they're going to revert, reverse that in overtime, and you turned out to be right. Listen, there were, it was over anyway. Like, that was a, and you know what, kicking for the most part of that game. Yeah. 
uh, I think the Oilers got hot, got a couple good bounces or whatever. I don't think it really out- changes the outcome, but I thought it was a pretty obvious high stick at overtime, but I don't really care a whole lot. What about you guys? <laughs> my favorite uh, my favorite response here is not that you thought it was or it wasn't, that you're just like, I don't even care, whatever it was. Well, no, I mean, they were dead well, anyway. Oiler fans care. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. So I thought, uh, I thought it was probably – just on the right side of good in terms of like how do you take it off the board in that circumstance when you're not really sure I don't know all the angles make it super hard but either way I I did think you know the better team came out on top in that game like I can't believe Edmonton's refusal to die I give them a lot of credit in particular that McDavid Dreisaitl line Hyman obviously man it's just like you can you can do so much to beat that team, and then that line is enough to keep them afloat. It's unbelievable. Okay, just just one note on the high stick because I'm not sure a lot of people know the actual rule on that play. And I, I know that uh, the guys, uh, the crew at Hockey Night Canada, uh, you know, and Elliot uh, uh, did his best to, to to describe the goal, and and he put that red line. Did you guys see that red line off off of Lekkonen's shoulders? Mm-hmm. Now it's not. That's not the benchmark on the high stick. The benchmark is his 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 shoulders in a normal height position, right? Not bent over. Right. So when he bends over, it's not the red line when he bends over. It's the line that in a normal stance. So. The stick can be higher than his shoulders if he's bent over. The best example I can give people is if if there's someone on their knees in front of the net and they high stick a puck over their head, that's a that's a good play. That's a good goal. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, Kipper. That does change the the perspective of, uh, perspective of things a little bit. Um, you know what a finish, by the way. After he knocks, after he gets knocked down, nice tuck. Yeah. Yeah, you wow. know what? Uh, it's 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 a shame sometimes. Like I get it. We have to we have to make sure we have to go to the video. But it is a buzz kill off of a game winner in overtime, isn't it? When everybody has to sit around and wait. Man, it's like part of the reason I don't love watching NFL football right now. It's like every single play, something happens. Then you go, okay, are we allowed to cheer for that? Is that good? Okay. Now let's do it again. And then it's like, all right, a cool thing might have happened. Let's find out if it actually happened. Like I, the NHL can't turn into that where you're like hesitant to celebrate things because you know you have to go through a judicial review before you can actually decide if it's good or not. Yeah. So we're I, Go ahead, Sammy. No, I just I I thought that was a great talk, but yeah. Mike Smith again kind of swimming around in there. I guess we'll get to Mike Smith, but I didn't think that was his finest hour in overtime either. But, yeah, Lekkonen, clutch, good player, gritty, hard nose. He's stepped up big time without Kadri. He's really noticeable. I like him a lot. So that's an awesome pickup for them and a huge and the depth, reason they got to the finals. The depth did shine for Colorado and yeah. something that uh, Edmonton uh, lacked. But uh, before we get into that, uh, you mentioned Mike Smith. Uh, let's go to a Kipper's Clipper uh, and just see – how satisfied he is with pushing the Oilers uh, into the conference final. I mean, there's no participation medal. So it, 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 it's, it's very disappointing. It's, uh, it's hard to get to this point. You know, there's a lot of, 
you know, you look over the course of the season, exhibition games, training camp, 82 regular season games, you know, the grind of the playoffs to get into the conference finals. And there's definitely, I don't know, a, a loss when you don't make it to the ultimate goal. And that's the feeling right now, obviously. Okay, for the record, it's 2022. He could find someone to give him a participation medal today. There are, <laughs> there, there are, uh, you know, there are groups, there are people out there that would happily uh, give him one today. Yes, and he would. Have I knew it. you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Smart ass, eh? <laughs> My, I mean, I, I feel that that guy is a passionate hockey player. And I would love to see him win a Stanley Cup. I think he would be like an awesome person to see what he would do with it. I think he's one of those guys who would go wild. But ah, uh, no, you know, poor Mike Smith, not not as fine as showing, eh, boys? He is, as Sammy just said, uh, like a competitive guy. You love the competitiveness out of Mike Smith, but that style of play has been an issue for quite a while now. And I go back to, you know, Ken Holland and and staying quiet at the trade deadline and not not at least having something to go to if in fact Mike Smith does kind of waver a little bit with his consistency and there were no other options. Koskinen was not an option for him even though he came in and gave you such a small sample size of playing well, you know, you know, for Koskinen not to get in at any point with his inconsistencies of Mike Smith tells you everything to know, everything you need to know on how much you don't trust your backup goalie here. Yeah, but aren't they kind of hamstrung? Like, what are they going to do? They got they're paying their backup goalie three and a half million dollars. You're going to bring in another goalie? Like, I don't know. Yes, I, I feel yes, like you the are. Bet- but then I don't know what their cap situation is, but I feel like your bed's kind of made for you in terms of having those two goalies. I, I guess you could go out there and make a trade for somebody, but I mean, who was available? They talked about Mark Andre Fleury right there. He was kind of. I'm thinking back to all the rumors we talked about before the trade deadline, but I feel like he was kind of mentioned there. I. So, what they, they just they, it was not addressed, and I guess you're right that they should have addressed it. But I just also feel like they're kind of hamstrung with that that cap situation in those two goalies. No. JB, well, Koskinen's if we look at, up. If, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just saying, like now going forward, Koskinen's contract is up, so they can move on from him. Like they, and Mike Smith only makes two point two. You're fine with that as a backup. They got a. They're another team that's in the market for a starter. Hey, uh, what about the guy in Toronto for them? Mm, uh, yes. Uh, you know, it, is it, aren't they an obvious fit? Like, can, can they? And uh, you know, depending on. Jack stance on a five million dollar deal. Could that number come down if Edmonton was willing to go five years or six years? That's right. That's the play here because it's our understanding that the Leafs don't like the money, the AAV that uh, Jack would want right now, or the term. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have to spend, uh, you know. 7.2 million if you talk about 5 for Jack and 2.2 for Mike Smith. That's not that bad for your crease, right? That's pretty good. Uh, I don't know what the league-wide average would be, but it can't be too far off that. So, 
Not what the what the were they today? What were they today? With yeah, uh, uh, Koskinen was making four point five guys. Four point okay. five. So they're up around 4. six 5. anyway. Six and a half. It's yeah, not a stretch. Thought, it's not yeah. a stretch to add Jack. No, it's not. I. So are they going to go and do the sort of Hyman thing? Like they're going to go and overpay a Leaf to sort of get the the early contract bump? Because. I, I do think that there's a world in which Jack Campbell maybe not takes less to stay in Toronto, but does genuinely like being in Toronto. But Kipper said yesterday that there's not a ton of contact between the two. There hasn't been a real formal, you know, offer. So maybe there's a bit of, <clears throat> I don't know, not, not a fracture of a relationship or anything. But, like, I don't know. It just seems like it's a big move. I, I think I feel like Jack's very aware of the fan base, and it's a big move to go to Edmonton. But I guess if they're going to give him the bag, why wouldn't he do it? But I don't know. I, I I have a hard time picturing him actually doing it. No, or you really think that's a good fit for him? Oh, I think uh, there'd be a number of teams uh, that would be very interested in, in Jack Campbell. And again, albeit uh, working out uh, term in an AAV, but uh, Detroit to me stands out. Edmonton stands out. New Jersey stands out. Yeah, there's some there's some options for him here. Mm-hmm. But no you know, I, I want to spin this back to Edmonton. If you guys were to look at this uh, this sweep, um, would you pin it on goaltending first on on where Edmonton goes from here? Is that the top of your priority here? Because I'm I'm watching 97 and 29 play lights out at, what, 33, 32 points in 16 games between the two of them. And it still ain't enough, guys. It's not enough. Yeah. Honestly, there's there's work that needs to be done all the way around with that Oilers team. Um, You know, I look, you mentioned the depth in Colorado. If you sorted last night's game by shot attempts, like who was on the ice for by shot attempt percentage, Corsi, uh, the top here's the top seven eight guys on Colorado. It's Cogliano, Helm, O'Connor, Jack Johnson, Alex Newhick, Bowen Byram, Arturi Lekin, and Josh Manson. That, those are the guys who were the best players in terms of Corsi last night for the Avs. You didn't hear me name any of the superstars. Not many nights like that for the Edmonton Oilers, right? When you look at Derek Ryan and you know uh, the the bottom of their order in general Fogel, Cassian uh not a ton of limited offense right yeah yeah they got to get a little bit something more and then the d you know nurse had a torn hip flexor give him some credit there you know that that's a tough spot duncan keith i thought played fairly well for a guy who you know getting older but barry cc bouchard like that's not the makings of a stout defensive group by any stretch so there's there's a lot of work to be done there all right uh what do we got about 10 15 minutes we're going to welcome in uh nhl uh former executive doug mcclain of course uh big news in the national hockey league outside of conference final bruce cassidy let go guys we talked about this say about three and a half weeks ago and then that whole thing with cam neely coming out and wow and i don't know i mean is it a little late to to make this decision? I think uh, General Manager Sweeney talked about needing more time to make this decision. But, uh, wow, what does this do to the coaching carousel? Anyways, that's just me rambling on. We're going to have Doug McLean uh, join us. Um, and let's just uh, stick a little bit to uh, Edmonton last night. And you guys just mentioned the injuries. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we, we, we knew of them, but 
like anything else, everybody races to find out what actually happened to some of these guys. And uh, let's let's hear from uh, Leon Dreisaitl on his injury. Um, there's lots of guys that um, go through painful things like that. So, um, yeah, not going to make this about myself. Uh, lots of guys that play play through certain injuries. Wow, I kind of like that, guys. I mean, love it, right? It's wow. It's I don't know. Sometimes it gets for me. It gets a little overplayed sometimes, and it's almost as if uh, it's a built-in excuse to lose. Yeah, and I I get it. It's legit. I get it that uh, that Darnell Nurse was playing with a, a torn um, hip flexor. I, I get all that, but it's almost as if. People race to get this news out so they can justify the loss. Totally, yeah. thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, Darnell Nurse had a torn hip flexor. If you look at two of the three plays, remember Colorado scored three goals in two minutes and four seconds. He was on the ice for all three. Two of them are bad passes he makes. You know, like wishy wash a bad rim and a bad pass. And I understand how the injuries can distract you and you're just not at your best, but certainly you're still on the hook if you're on the rink for making good plays. Not going to hold Dreisaitl uh, accountable for anything. What a showing last night. Uh, it hurt or not, what do you have, four primary assists to, to drag the Oilers along last night? Unbelievable. I just shame. Incredible. I have to say, boys, that my respect for Dreisaitl has gone through the roof. And I know I don't watch enough Oilers games during the regular season. Uh, I'm usually snoring by that time. But I watching him through these playoff run, this playoff run, I, I've just gained this new respect for him, especially playing Hurt. And him talk – like, remember when we talked about the, the players poll and we talked about all the different guys that uh, got rated as the best passers – in the league, and it was, I think Connor was number one, but Dreisaitl was number two or number three. And I remember kind of bristling at that, being a little bit surprised by that. Over this playoff run, I, that is not surprising to me at all anymore. His passing ability, the pass he put on a platter for Hyman to score their first goal, he is just a really, really great pa- uh, passer with that big old paddle on his stick. I love the way he passes the puck. I was just so impressed with him. A ton of respect gained for Dreisaitl. You know, the one thing that's remained consistent since they've been drafted uh, by the Oilers is this torn feeling of either playing them together or apart. And we just yeah. know when they are together and you've got a dry sidle to make that uh, incredible pass uh, to Connor McDavid to knock Calgary out or anything else you've seen in the conference final, like, it's special to to play with uh, each other, and when it when they do, it's absolute magic. But then you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? On on your depth, and they don't have enough depth. And while we can look at their last ten years of first round picks, uh, still the depth that they were missing last night was apparent when it comes to like a Pooley RV or Yamamoto, they were not factors. Those are first-round picks that have to turn out for you to have a chance to win a Stanley Cup for 97 and 29. 
Hey, Pugliarvi is going to be the death of Edmonton journalists, eh? Like, the analytics crowd just loves the guy. The old school types hate the guy. And they there is no agreement on the overall value of this player who, you know, big guy, drives possession numbers really well, but boy, sure can be frustrating. What a terrible pass he made into the chest of Landeskog at one point last night. Weird night for him, I thought. And... I- yeah, when we he's just we a weird back, player. What? Just when we look oh, yeah. back, guys, uh, net maybe lack of depth on the blue line still, and and the wings outside of your big boys uh, still an issue for for the Oilers overall. The Oilers, I would say, have some. Uh, obviously some elite, elite players. Leon Dreisaitl, you talked about him as the best passer in the league. He's one of the best at hitting a one-timer anywhere in a six-foot radius. Massive wheelhouse. His ability to hit pucks that are passed poorly to him. Um, So anyway, so elite, elite players. And then it's... They're, they're, you're not that well built beyond it. Like I'm not saying they're only a two-line team. Hyman's great. Uh, Kane was a wonderful pickup. Nurse can be really effective, but I don't know. Sometimes every year, a mediocre team at best makes it deep in the playoffs. The Montreal Canadiens go to the cup final. The Dallas Stars go to the cup final. I, I don't look at this Oilers run and go, boy, they were a step away. They're, they're not. I agree they, with they that. They beat two kind of, I mean, the Kings, whatever. I think the Kings played hard. They took them to seven games. We thought the Flames were really good. Turns out they were not. And then they ran up against the first, like, truly elite team that they went up against in the playoffs, and they got their you-know-what kicked in. So, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you, Borny. I love that take. Uh, I'm sure that'll really please Edmonton fans everywhere. <laughs> but I, I agree. Every year this happens. I, I Like, it really is an annual thing where one team goes a little further than they should. The GM, the the front office, everyone overreacts. They do too much in the offseason. They take a step back. It's an annual thing. Like, the trees, like, the leaves falling in, in September and October. It's an <laughs> annual thing. Hey, JB, you, you kind of undersold the former Toronto Maple Leaf Zach Hyman in that mention. 11 yeah. goals. 11 goals. Oh, my God. Goals I know. In the postseason. Yeah. And what's his yeah. best as a Toronto Maple Leaf? One yeah, each no year? More, yeah, one each year in a, in a playoff round. Uh, like, And he, he, he was every bit as advertised. And I oh, think that there's some people... A lot of Leaf fans said, ah, let him go. He's not that good. He's not that uh, good. I don't he know, Kim. I think was, most people said, I ain't giving really him eight good. years. He was really Yeah, really no, good. forget about the term. Forget about it. No. Okay, I, I, I am just talking about if if you would have had a Zach Hyman against Tampa Bay. Let's just start. Let's just let's focus on the window of Matthews having a three three cracks at a Stanley Cup before he becomes a UFA and the potential of him leaving. So really, uh, year four, five, or six are irrelevant if, if maybe they would have had a Zach Hyman in their lineup. Yeah, you just did and, that with Tavares, right? Where you're like, ah, to hell with the back of the contract. And then the back of the contract comes and you're like, what an embarrassing contract. This, this quickly here, before we get to Doug, uh, I was on this hobby horse of how badly the Leafs fans, Leafs fans were going to miss Zach Hyman. And it was one of my big takes. I talked about it a lot. A lot more fans were on Kipper's side, what he just said there, saying, oh, well, 
You know, it's got to let him go. And there's a lot of fans in this market taking victory laps over bunting, having more points than Hyman. There's a lot of L's taken on Hyman in this market. Let's just say that. <laughs> all right. Anyways. Let's, let's, let's ask a guy that has more experience than all three of us combined here. Let's welcome in Doug McClain. No, it's not off the rails Friday, but seeing how the coaching changes are and Edmonton uh, losing uh, their season last night, we figured we'd, we'd bring you out of the bullpen. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having <laughs> Real me. On. Excited. Really excited. Really excited. Just uh, on my just... way to the I'm on my way I'm on my way to the Charlottetown airport with brother John uh taking him to instead of fly back to uh flying to Toronto. So or yeah, so I'm just uh driving him to the airport. So I got nothing to do. I'm really fleet free and I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and get the porch washed on the way home. Great news, great news, and I'm sure uh, yoga class is somewhere in in the vicinity as well. Where um, what are your first thoughts on where the Oilers go from here? Well, I don't know that it's changed dramatically from the start of the year or from a year ago. The Oilers have to go one place. Uh, and one place in particular, and that is they've got to find a number one goaltender. Uh, Smith, you know, did a good job at 40 years of age. But, you know, I, I just think if they want to be a contender, and, you know, to me it looks like a, another a top-end goaltender and another top-end defenseman. And uh, hopefully some young guys can fill in their bottom six a little better. But... Uh, if they don't get a Stanley Cup goaltender, um, you know, they're, they're, to me, they're going to be right where they were all year, and that's Koskinen and Smith. And how are you going to beat Colorado? I mean, look, they did a great job against Calgary because, you know, Markstrom went south. Let's not kid ourselves. He went south in that series. And Guy Seidel and McDavid were so spectacular, along with Hyman and a few other guys. But Kenny's got to get number one goal, as simple as that for me. Do you see any comparables to other teams that have had deep runs and struggled the following season? Montreal did it. Dallas snuck into playoffs this year. It's, I think it's easy to get excited about the Oilers after a deep run, but it still seems like a team that, you know, they've got to beat Colorado and Calgary and Vegas. There's some, some real flaws there, right? Yeah, there is. But when you've got, you know, and, you know I said it since the day Peter Fiorelli got the job in Edmonton as a GM. How could these guys, like Ray Shiro getting the Pittsburgh job with Sid and Malkin and Matang and Fleury, and I'm thinking, like, how the hell do these guys get these jobs and I get Columbus? Doesn't seem to be fair. <laughs> fair to you guys. And Peter Shirelli gets McDavid and Bryce. Now Kenny gets them. And, you know, there's a big difference that when you have those two guys and Hyman's another, you know, with nine goals in the playoffs and Nurse is developing into a Top, you know, a good defenseman, but you need to stop her. So, you know, um, to me, they're a different, they're a different kettle of fish. With those two gunners, uh, they've got to, they've got to make some big moves this summer because the window is wide open with two guys that can score like they scored in the playoffs. It was unbelievable to watch some guys, even last night against a real good team. They were special to watch. A big loss for Colorado uh, was uh, Kadri. And, uh, you know, there's 
some glimmer of hope that maybe in two weeks his thumb could feel better, but uh, highly unlikely, Mac. Uh, but is yeah. Colorado yeah. deep enough without him? Well, look, I, I was thinking about that last night, you know, watching the game that, okay, uh, you're going to play the Rangers or Tampa Bay, which have absolutely spectacular goaltending, and you've got average goaltending for me still. Average goaltending. So how much of a factor... You, then you say well, you've got two great power plays. Colorado's power play is, is great with McCarr and McKinnon and company. And, and Tampa Bay and New York Rangers have a great power plays and spectacular goaltending. I think it could be a hell of a series. I, I think people that are saying it's going to be a, a cakewalk for... Colorado over these two teams, I, I don't buy it. I think it's going to be a really tough, tough series. you got an experienced Tampa Bay team or a, a, a special goaltender in New York with a special power play. So um, it, it will be, it'll, be a, it'll be a great series in my opinion. Now, I may be wrong on that because I haven't seen Colorado as much as I've watched the Rangers in Tampa, but I, I think it could be a hell of a series. I really do. Doug, one thing I was hoping to get your your take on was uh, what now for the, for the Flames team that lost to the Oilers? I realize that they're not the most relevant group here, but I just can't get past this. Like, looking at the Oilers' run, the Kings weren't that great. Uh, they struggled with Colorado, but they walked over the Flames, who were one of the best teams in the league this year, supposed to be built for playoffs. Daryl Sutter wins the Jack Adams. What becomes of that group now? Well, and Nick has talked about this for a few years. You you You... You've got um, Boudreaux and Monaghan as two highly paid guys and major decisions. Are you going to win with those two guys as your supposedly go-to guys where Monaghan basically fell out of the, you know, fell off the wagon this year? Um, you know, Boudreaux, what happens with him? Lindholm had a great year. I, I was blown away. I mean, Daryl put lots of structure in there. Maxstrom had an MVP regular season. Um, to me, there's lots of challenges there to make it work in in Calgary as well. So I think they're in a situation. Treeliving's got a big job to do. I mean, where does Google go? Uh, how much do they pay to keep a guy that did he score in the playoffs? I mean, I guess he did, but very little. And can you win with that with that core? Especially when you saw how Markstrom faltered. That would be scary to me. Hey, Mac. Uh... I want to switch gears a little bit on you uh, and talk about uh, what's what's going on with how many teams are looking for head coaches, and now officially Bruce Cassidy let go by the Boston Bruins. Uh, pretty darn good coach with a, a, a good run in Boston, and yet it was not good enough for the Bruins for him to continue. Um, what do you what do you what, were you surprised when you heard the fact that they were going to make this change? I heard three weeks ago they were going to make a change, and I think I told you that. But you you were scared to go with him, remember? <laughs> no, I think it was the other way around. You, you, but, you, uh, didn't, you, you didn't you didn't trust me on it. But anyway, look. I, did, did we I not guess, mention that, JB? Not, did we not mention it on we our did. show? We did. Oh, okay, okay, good. Okay, I was worried that you didn't go with it. I, I don't get your show that often. I mean, as much as I'd like to get it, I, I don't get it that wow. often. I don't, I don't <laughs> like I, I'm not surprised. Look, look, a guy had a six-year run 
with a great record, okay? Uh, my question is, who is more important, Cassidy or Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, Chera, Tukarask, and McAvoy? I, 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 I've heard rumblings for a couple of years that it was getting really hard on the head for a lot of players there. Uh, he was really coming uh, It was a great I heard that for a couple of years. I think you for a couple of years, Nick. And I and that's not to take away from Cassidy. He had a good record and a good one, but six years in one place is a long time. And if I'm Butch Cassidy, I think I'm looking at a fresh a fresh start. And you know, as in this morning somebody mentioned is you know, I, I hear Zeno and Burnett are battling right now over whether, you know, they can keep the assistant coaches. Burnett wants to. Zito doesn't want them. Um, somebody mentioned to me this morning, is that a fit Cassidy in Florida? I think Burnett survives, but I don't know. I, I, I think Butch Cassidy's a good coach. I, I'm not saying that, but I think it's time to move on. And I think that everybody in Boston realized that, except the fans, who are vicious about this, by the way, and the media. Doug, why would you know, it take him so long after the season? Anymore. Never really did. Just curious I, why I it would take him so Sweeney long. Because, I, I think because Sweeney and, and they have been together for so long, I mean, umpteen years together with the job he did in Providence, and I think you want to really – make sure you're making the right decision. I guarantee you there were some major discussions with ownership. There was major discussions with Neely. This is a big decision. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know the real reason. I mean, some guys do it in 10 seconds and some guys do it in 10 weeks. I don't know. So do you think if we connect the dots that, uh, that Patrice Bergeron today has a better chance of re-signing now that Cassidy's gone and and does this lead them to go after a guy like Barry Trotz who has the best reputation of uh, any coach out there right now? I, I you know, I'm hearing you know, Jay Leach's name, people like this, we go with a young guy and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I mean, you know, they've got to, they've got to try to go for it again here and people say, well, can they? I mean, if I'm Sweeney, my number, after I finish my press conference, my next task is getting Bergeron on a contract. And they're in tough anyway because of the injuries and the timeline and these injuries for next season. But they've got to get something positive come out of here. And Trotz, to me, is an ideal guy. But Trotz is going to dictate whether he goes Vegas, whether he goes Boston, whether he goes Winnipeg. I mean, where else? I don't know, you know? Um it's it, so it really it, it's a tough deal for Sweeney here because he's got to come with something really positive because he and Neely are taking some serious heat now and you know what I know that you try you like to turn that table real fast and come with something positive. So Doug, you mentioned that you seem like a little hesitant about the idea of having someone like Jay Leach take over. Um, you know, Sheldon Keefe is a first-time coach, got a little bit of hard time. Andrew Brunette's first time didn't go as planned with a veteran group. I just curious your thoughts on what happens with a young coach. What is it they don't know or don't do that an older veteran guy can provide for a group? You know, it's interesting. I, you know, I've listened to some people talk. I mean, John Cooper was a young coach at one time when he came out of Syracuse. You know, he, he was a head coach in the North. I remember him when he was in the North American League, and I remember him when he was in Syracuse. And you know, he, he CDY hires him, 
and, you know, pretty good hire, I guess, in hindsight. Um, I mean, he, he got the job ahead of Gerard Glam in those days, you know. Um, I think that, you know, you, you've got to make an organizational decision to go with a young guy. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I was one of those guys at one time that got a head job when people thought it was ludicrous and crazy. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem with them if they decide to go that way and go with the, the general manager has got to go with a guy that he really believes is going to be the perfect fit for him to work with to build to, to build this organization. Name I'm hearing out there a lot right now is Mike Van Ryan. I hear that. I know he interviewed in Philly, apparently. Um, I, I He's a young guy that, that people believe have a chance to be a real good head coach. So I haven't heard his name mentioned a whole lot. Scott O'Neill, I hear he's done in, in Winnipeg as a, an associate, or is he just some protection in case things go south with trots? I don't know, but I, I understand he's going back to Winnipeg in some capacity. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem with them going with a young guy. If that's what the general manager, general manager makes a big decision here. You know, Kyle had to do it. He wanted Keith. He was his guy. He feels comfortable with him. I don't blame the guy for doing that. I really don't. We're joined by Doug McLean, Real Kipper and Board's number one insider. You are making yes. Elliot look bad right now. I don't know, any, like I, like I've, like I've always told you. I'm not telling you it's the truth. I'm just telling you what I heard. That's the <laughs> old PEI mother used to tell me that. Mother told me that all the time, and it was great advice. I I'm love not that. Telling saying. you it's the truth. I'm just telling you what I heard. <laughs> See, um, I don't have listen, to write 32 thoughts. I only need three or four. If uh, if Tortorella wants back in, then clearly you can get back in too. <laughs> no. Oh my God, the number of jobs, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So, you know. Lou, it's not safe. I guys saw Josh Rimmer tweeted last night. I retweeted Josh Rimmer. Uh, Josh Rimmer's um, note about 15 coaches fired in the last year. Like, seriously, one a month or something. It's unbelievable. And but it's I easy. Josh, because he had in his – Josh in his bio on his Twitter account had that he was in a major league baseball fat boy. And I said – I thought when I read major league – and I thought it was going to be like a – assistant coach but it was he was a bat boy so anyway i questioned him on that and he said it was true hey if uh if the if all these coaches were part of the salary cap how many of them would be uh looking for work right yeah. now uh yeah exactly right well if you hey, can when... put them on the you can put them on that ltr which is the fake you know you put them on one of those fake things they'd be all right you know and hey, one more before we let you go okay because it's real common for players that when they get traded from a team, you cheer against that team. You want them to lose every game. You don't want to see them successful uh, that they let you go. What What about a general yeah. manager? What about a Kyle Dubas who's watching Zach Hyman and and Kadri every night hit new heights? What would that have been like? For him, is he is he happy they're not playing anymore? You know, the same thing happened to me when I uh, threw in Boshaman in a trade with 
with Anaheim and Berkey as a throw-in because he was with our farm team in Syracuse. And I watched them put him with Scott Niedermeyer as his defense partner <laughs> and, and watched them march through the playoffs. And it was crushing to me every night watching it. So Kyle <laughs> was crushed the same as I was crushed. Tell me. And I love Bochyman as a guy. <laughs> but anyway, that's just the way it goes, you know? That's the way the cookie crumbles. All right, but listen, I go remember, back to your – I remember asking – well, I, I got I remember asking one of my assistant coaches, they want Bosham in as a throw. What do you think? Oh, no, Doug, I don't think he'll ever be an NHL regular. Well, <laughs> we were both wrong. <laughs> well, the good news is you get back to your Porsche, you get back to your RV, you get back to your, your yoga. No one your could ever take those horses. Things away from you. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's. Not as easy as it sounds. There's a lot of a lot of work that's got to this looking after all these things, you know. Hey, keep making phone calls. We're coming right back to you with more NHL insider <laughs> stuff. Okay. Well, let's let's see if any of it comes true. You know, as Bob <laughs> McKenzie used to say, it may not happen, but I know it's been talked about. All right, there see you later. go. See ya, Doug McLean. See you, Doug. Wow, we got some good stuff there. Real dirt, huh? Where do you think Mike Van Ryan used to coach the Kitchener Rangers? Yeah, uh, yeah, he's most recently with St. Louis Blues. Yeah, Sammy just chimed in from his bathtub somewhere to a different audio situation. Where are you? Oh, yeah, underneath the gardener. (laughs) (laughs) So, is that different? How about now? Oh, yeah, yeah, way better. Oh, okay, sorry, boys. Okay, that's all right. I set my feet up literally. (laughs) What, um. Uh, you know, the other name out there, too, is uh, that people have been impressed with is uh, Ott, Steve Ott from uh, St. Louis. So hold on. Well. Mike Van Ryan and Steve Ott both mentioned as potential guys for jobs. Yeah. Aren't they also rumored to both be getting fired from St. Louis? Wasn't that a thing? Yeah. I, I thought I read that I somewhere, Kipper. I don't know. Maybe I totally made I, that up in my head. I don't know. <laughs> um, all I know is that uh, there's a few people out there that uh, – have taken notice uh, from both of them, which yeah. again uh, adds new layers to uh, this uh, coaching carousel. Fascinating, man! Uh, just so right. many jobs, so many people. Did we go over our allocated time again, Sammy? Oh yeah, over? oh way over, but that's okay. Way miles. Over. We're fine. Yeah, okay, we're fine. let's take a quick break. When we come back, more of Real Kipper and Born. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight may go a long way to finding out who Colorado plays in the Stanley Cup final. The Rangers still somewhat in a driver's seat position, but... Don't give it all away tonight. Game four in Tampa Bay. Rangers up 2-1. Did Tampa do everything in that uh, that third period to make believers out that uh, much like maybe the Leaf series, they've kind of woken up? Yeah. You know what they did, though? You know, Finally, they scored a five-on-five goal. 
you know, it's it's really striking that for as, as much as we think of this Tampa Bay team, I actually wrote about this, Kipper, for uh, Sportsnet.ca. We think about Tampa as like this high-flying offensive team. Three years in a row, they were the number one team in five-on-five goals. It was like 2018, 19, and 20. And really, though, things have they've kind of backed off the offense and become really stout defensively, right? They shut teams out in Game 7s. Vasilevsky's so good. They are way down in offense this year. And having point out, like, they struggle to score. They got two goals on the power play. But at 5-on-5, five five, this team doesn't create much. So I'm curious to see. Can they find ways to score in Shesterkin at even strength? Well, when you look at yeah. the, the the lineup going into Game Three, with the exception of Kucherov, uh, everybody seemed to be outscoring all their players. Kreider, of course, is having a heck of a run. Uh, Adam Fox, uh, Heedle, uh, you know, Vertrano's got eleven points. I mean, they're getting it every which way out of the New York Rangers. Everybody seems to be a threat out there. Yeah. I'm what I'm interested in tonight, boys, is that was uh back against the wall. You heard them all talk about it. Character win for the lightning. Uh I, I heard Stamkos after the game talk about how you know, we're missing our top guys and he was seemed really, really happy about that win. Not that they're satisfied or anything. But I'm just interested, like they're missing so many guys, they're been in so many big games. I think they're probably a bit of there's a bit of tiredness to them. Can they sustain that level of desperation? Like, do you think they're going to get 50 pucks on Shesterkin again? It's just such a hard thing to sustain that desperation and recreate that desperation. If I was betting tonight, I would be putting a couple bucks on the Rangers because they're probably dogs. They're probably a bit of value. I could see the Rangers coming out tonight and winning after they had that desperation game in game four. Uh, game three, sorry. Over, well, under on yeah. 40 shots tonight. Uh, this has been a pretty consistent thing, giving up a ton of shots and more so a ton of quality scoring chances on mm-hmm. Shesterkin. It's, this guy is bent a little, JB, but he has not broken. No. And that's, it's almost like the perfect formula to take down the Tampa Bay Lightning is you run into, you know, the, the league's best goaltender this year anyway. You know, if you think it's Vasilevsky, whatever. But, you know, they, they're running into a red-hot elite goaltender. A team that I think that, yeah, I don't want to say they would underestimate them. But, you know, I would say they would look at, at their past battles as just as difficult. So, yeah, you know, now it's a matter of finding it and keeping that intensity level. They got to get something from someone else, though. Like, uh, how about Alex Kalorn? 25 goals this year, zero in the playoffs so far. Brandon Hagel, one Zero? goal in the playoffs. Zero. Hagel has one goal in the playoffs. Uh, Anthony Sorelli, one goal in the playoffs. They are getting nothing for depth scoring, and so it's so much pressure right now on Kucherov, Stamkos, and Palat to figure it out. they got to find some offense from someone else on that team. Well, how about this? The, the, the Lightning traded one more round, uh, first-round pick uh, than Brandon Hagel has goals. In the, uh, in the first <laughs> round, that's right. In the in the playoffs, so they're, they're looking I, to get some. He's hurt, like he's limping around out there and giving them their bet his best. But yeah, so is everyone. Yeah, I know. And Nick Paul has gotten so much praise and so much love, and he's deserved all of it. But he's got three goals in thirteen games, yeah. and he's not Two setting the, the world seven. on fire. Yeah, Nick Nick Paul is is done he's awesome. awesome. He's been, he's been awesome. awesome, but he's still a third line centerman. That's correct. He'll never be yeah. a second-line guy. He'll never be a top-six guy. And that's where you still think 
with Braden Point out, it, it, it may still catch up to the Tampa Bay Lightning if those secondary guys, as JB just mentioned, uh, do not get going and, and on a score sheet. It's interesting because he feels like the one or two guys, if you want to lump in like Hedman and Vasilevsky, that they just can't afford to not have. Like They are built on a few pillars, and without any of their pillars, I'm not sure the whole thing stays up. Not many teams do, granted, but Braden Point... He's the guy who got, gets them through yep. in overtime against the Leafs. He's the guy he led them in scoring in the playoffs for their first cup. Like he's just an integral part of their their team, and it's noticeable that yeah. they don't have him on the offensive yeah. side. Do you, and do just you have for a, record, a, a line for the game that? tonight, Borny? Do you have a line for the game tonight? Here. I'll find one. And mm. as far as Steve Stamkos is concerned, for me, his legacy continues to grow in the, yeah, the last great, few yeah. years. Wow, is this guy turned into a real leader? Almost like a, for me, almost like a Steve Eiserman type. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Uh, and Sammy, in terms of the betting line, the Rangers are plus 155 tonight. La, okay, Tampa quickly. Bay minus 185. 2 2 or 3 1 tonight? 2 3-1. 2. I'll go 3 1 with Sammy. Oh, wow. Look at you two. Our thanks to NHL insider Doug McLean on his coaching carousel. We're back tomorrow. Enjoy the game tonight.